Welcome to Sticks and Taps, where we're talking hockey, a bit of the Irish crack, and raising points. It is Friday edition here, November 5th, 2021. Yours truly, Mr. Paul Cuthbert, holding down the Sticks and Taps board here in America, in New York. And it's time to bring in me drinking buddy from the great white north, just outside the beautiful city of Ottawa, Mr. Liam McGuire, bartender. Three points, five shots, and a glass of water over here, please. <laughs> How's it going, mate? How's she going, Polly? How's she going on this fine Friday, my friend? Good, good. The sun is shining. Bit of frost in the morning, but it's all yeah. good. It's the weather's changing here. We enter November. We're uh, we're we're scheduled to get. We got the same thing. We've been under uh, we've been under frost and below zero uh, Celsius here the last. Uh, two or three nights, but the next three or four or five afternoons are are scheduled to be pretty good. In fact, most of next week, and I may, might maybe try and squeeze one more golf game in, Paul. Yes, of course you will. <laughs> well, hey, buddy, uh, maybe make it 88 rounds. Why not? I'm sure you have a uh, an Armour sweater in there and the, an Irish sweater there in the closet you can throw on. Put oh, on the cap. Uh, <laughs> a little, I do have one of those caps. You know, I've never worn it out. Every time I put it on, I just think, God, I just don't know. I just don't think that. But you got to just put it on and go for it, you know, and just say, just let it settle. And I think go out and I think people will say, yeah, man, uh, you're looking pretty distinguished today, Leo. <laughs> let me ask you a question. As far as your, uh, your golf outfit there. Um, do you remember, um, it was a Payne Stewart, I believe, right? Yeah. When he passed away in the plane crash. But Bob he also used to yeah. always wear that phenomenal, the socks they and the, the shorts. Fours. I think they call it the fours for whatever reason. I should know, but I don't. But he had a very distinct look uh, with the with the knee highs coming up to those short pants. And, of course, the hat and the yeah. colorful outfit. Yeah. And on top of that, he was just a fantastic golfer and just that's tragic yeah. you know that accident uh what happened there and uh but his his legacy is endured and always will and you know there's um there's a course in ireland and we played it in 2011 if i'm not mistaken it's called waterville uh because that's where it's located and there's a statue of pain at that at that course really? uh, I, I believe and I'm not 100% certain of this, but I, I believe it was his favorite course in the world to play. And and uh, there's a lot of guys. A lot of guys have their their favorite courses are in Ireland. Yeah, I can tell you. I mean, I haven't played some of the there's so many, so many great <laughs> courses in the world. But Ireland has in the top 50 worldwide or something has four or five anyway that are regarded, you know, in whatever list you want to consider to be sort of the. The, the the top sort of mm-hmm. criteria that that grades these type of things but but um if i'm not mistaken it's waterville and i know for a fact we played one in 2011 that had a statue of Payne stewart uh at the at the course and we got our our pictures taken uh taken around it you know we're all avid golfers everybody knows if you're a golfer you know who he is was mm-hmm. and uh and so yeah i i remember that but uh that was a um a very distinct, distinct and unique look, and he never shirked from it. 
you know, it, it's what he wore all the time, just different colors, of course, to suit the occasion. But uh, I think he used to coordinate it sometimes with with his NFL colors. But uh, but it was always the same look in terms of the the shorts and the uh, the the pants and the and, and the socks and the top and the hat, of course. You know, he had yeah. to have that that hat. But uh, that. yeah. Big- Big personality. Yeah, I, don't know. I mean, it's supposed to get pretty nice there next uh, next week, buddy. I don't know if I'll need the sweater or not. Uh, I'm pretty uh, I'm pretty hot blooded guy. You know what I'm saying? So I might uh-huh. not need the sweater. I like to say down here on Long Island, you know, don't put the boat away yet. <laughs> it still likes to go out in the harbor. <laughs> don't put the clubs away yet, there, Liam. There you there you go, brother. There you go. Yeah. Oh man, good hey, stuff. Hey, look, I see. You, uh, what do you, what do you got there yeah. on your shirt? There, I know we're gonna get I the know. video here soon, or please God and stuff. But um, I see you wearing. It looks like a, a military poppy that you're wearing there on your yes, shirt. Yes, yes, it is. This is this is huge for us here in Canada, largely throughout the Commonwealth. But I know there's many, many, many places in the in uh, in the United States, it, throughout the United States, that are very familiar with the tradition that the Commonwealth, specifically Canada, has with wearing the poppy uh, in the month of November leading up to and including November 11th, which is Remembrance Day, of course. And and this poppy, these poppies signify are pretty, they're linked to a poem called In Flanders Fields, which was written by a Canadian in the First World War. The day he buried one of his best friends who was killed in the second battle of, of Yips on May 2nd, 1915. And uh, his, he buried his friend on May the 3rd. And has he noted on the grave sites of other soldiers who had been buried leading up to his friend's grave and burial and service, that poppies were springing up out of the ground and growing around the uh, the uh, the graves. Now, his name was Lieutenant. His, his name was John McRae. He was mm-hmm. a lieutenant colonel. He was a physician by trade, but he was also a poet. Like he he did write poetry before he joined the war. He could have stayed one hundred percent in the medical corps, but he chose not to. He was later killed, by the way. But he chose not to, and he enlisted as a gunner, but clearly with his medical background, he was able to help many wounded soldiers. And he wrote this on May 3rd, 1915. It's very short, Polly. Would you mind if I just read it? Not at all. Please do. It's, it's called In Flanders Fields. In Flanders Fields, the poppies blow between the crosses, row on row. That mark our place, and in the sky, the larks still bravely singing fly. Scarce heard amid the guns below. We are the dead, short days ago. We lived, felt dawn, saw sunset glow. Loved and were loved, and now we lie in Flanders fields. Take up our quarrel with the foe. To you from failing hands we throw the torch. Be yours to hold it high. If ye break faith with us who die, we shall not sleep, though poppies grow in Flanders fields. Brilliant. And the segue from that to hockey, 
is the third verse, if you will, the two, the second and third lines. Mm-hmm. To you from failing hands we throw the torch, be yours to hold it high, is what Dick Irvin Sr., when he took over coaching the Montreal Canadiens, and he coached the Canadiens longer than anybody, from 1941 until 1955. And he took that, those lines, and he put them up in the dressing room wow. of the Montreal Forum. And they stayed there forever. And I saw them. Anybody who was in the Forum dressing room saw them. They have them in the Bell Center now. But he had them in the Forum. And it was Montreal's inspiration to you from failing hands we throw the torch with, you know, from... Howie Morenz to Rocket Richard to Jean Beliveau to Guy Lafleur and all the other Hall of Famers in between and around that 45, nearly 50-year run of excellence that they had. To you from failing hands, we throw the torch, be yours to hold it high. And and uh, it's been an inspiration. That's from the poem in Flanders Fields, written by Lieutenant Colonel John McRae, May 3rd, 1915. Went absolutely viral, such as anything could. Mm-hmm. In December of that year, he actually threw it away and and his fellow army personnel rescued it and uh, and and said, come on, this is this is beautiful. You have to you have to send this out to people to see which he did. I'm, I'm paraphrasing here what the process would have been clearly, but but it, it, it obvi- obviously resonated uh, the world over. And since that time and uh, of course, from from the conclusion the armistice of, of the First World War, 11th hour, 11th day, 11th month, as we all well know, 1918. That's why we celebrate every November 11th. And, uh, and poppies are sold by our veterans, and the money collected goes to the various legions and, and the causes that support our, our, our vets, uh, who, who, of course, are long gone from that war and mostly gone from from World War II, but uh, still exist as they do uh, in in the world over from from the conflicts that that are still sadly in in our global sphere, if you will. So, mm-hmm. so there you have it. So, I wear it proudly. Now, here's the thing: uh, you may notice on mine. Of course, I'm just detailing this; people can't see. But I have a, a little my pin in the middle to keep it in is a is a mini Canadian flag. Yes, because the thing the thing about them, Polly. Is you hook? It's one of those ones got the little the little pin that you have to double hook into your shirt or your jacket, yep. or whatever. They fall out all the time. Yep, yep. And they're a bitch to keep in. <laughs> so, so I I uh, mo- a lot of people a number of years ago they they started actually putting a little nub that you could put in the back of the pin. But I love a lot of I'm not the only guy. Thousands upon thousands do this. They take a, a something that signifies. Canada, and they use that a pin, and they put that through the center of the poppy. So I will wear this proudly. My great uncle served and was injured in Ortona in Christmas of '43, and and uh, I, I I'm not sure if we're even. I think we're having a service this year with COVID because they're always outside. Obviously, I'm not even sure. I go to a local one in the village of Manitick and have for years, and then usually pop over to the Legion after for. For a couple of pints. <laughs> Why not? Why South not? Carlton Legion French 314, by the way. That's in awesome. In the village of Manitick, Ontario. And, uh, yeah, so that's what I got on here, and I just wanted to, 
to let uh, everybody it, know that. It's beautiful, man. It's great stuff. We uh, Same thing here. Uh, November 11th is Veterans Day here in the States. Um, all the guys from the American Legions go out, and they sell those two as well, raising money. Same thing with the poppies and stuff. It's, uh, yeah. it's a great way to acknowledge um, those who have served and sacrificed and stuff. So I, I love the you bringing heroes. it up. True heroes. Yeah, man. I'm, uh, you know, I think me and you respect. We were big, um, big respect to uh, the military, past and present, no doubt about it. Yeah. Obviously, our two countries uh, having a huge impact on the, uh, you know, World War II turning around, saving the world basically. Oh. You know, so yeah, uh, yeah. Well, um, I mean, especially you guys after Pearl. I mean, the American Americans came in late in both. Hey, wars, we don't right? we don't and- take the beaches in Normandy without Canada, baby. No, no. Hey, listen, uh, we'll, we, we hold our head high. Uh, there's no doubt about it. Uh, uh, I'm fiercely and immensely proud of, uh, of the Canadian efforts. I wouldn't say I'm a historian to the extent I am on, on the NHL, but I do know my Canadian war history a little bit. And I will say that, uh, our efforts in Italy and Holland and, uh, and also of course landing in Normandy and, even the sacrifice that the Canadians, mostly Newfoundlanders, made at Dieppe, um, which was such a, a colossal failure and tragedy and so much loss of life. Many experts claim that that was a real significant part of education to learn what not to do and what to do when the next landing would be attempted, and uh, which came shortly thereafter in, in, on June 6, 44. So, yeah, I mean... The Americans uh, took the lion's share of that. We came up Juneau Beach, I believe it was, in uh, June 6, 44, and went pretty far inland, if I'm not mistaken. I believe it was close to 10 miles, you know, that within 24 hours. So it was, uh, but everybody who was in that conflict, man, I'm sure you've met some, I have, and and it's, it's uh, <clears throat> well, I'll tell you, I just don't know. I don't know how, I swear to Big God. Big part of the reason how, we're able to sit here and do this, mate, I'll tell you that much. I, absolutely. I, I just don't know those men that when they went, went on those landing crafts and just and descended into just a hail of bullets from, from protected areas. I, I don't know how they did it. I don't know. I swear well, to God, it, I don't know. The eighth wonder of the world is not just the fact that they did it, but it's their bravery and, and their tenacity and ferocity that they, they were able to overcome that despite the incredible loss of life. Imagine the sacrifice, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds that were killed within 24 to 48 hours of June 6, 44, among the many other battles yeah, in all no, the wars. So about it. we wear this proudly. I, I appreciate you giving me an opportunity there in our fantastic hockey show to uh, throw that out there. And it's got the nice connection to uh, – to the Montreal Canadiens, in so much as that's obviously pales in comparison, it's still it's a pretty neat connection. And anybody familiar, really familiar with the Habs, and to a to somewhat extent to hockey history, knows about that and the origin of it in the uh, in the Montreal Canadian dressing room. Question on the on the line there in the poem about the torch. Now, don't don't you guys at the Canadians don't you just open up the season with the they bring the torch out onto the ice and they do the, yeah. the thing. Is that part of yeah, it? Yeah, that's that's. Yeah, that is okay, that so is that's it right there. Do. Okay, all all the ceremonies, uh, uh, the the one they had when they closed the forum that that I attended on um, Monday night, March 11, nineteen ninety six. That was a big, big torch passing ceremony that night. That's all a spinoff from that saying, which is from the poem in Flanders Fields. That's amazing. So it's uh, written by Lieutenant Colonel John McRae. I think he was from Guelph, Ontario. 
not 100% positive of that, but I believe some Ontario and uh, yeah, I mean, pretty pretty incredible. Could have used a bit of fire last night against the Icelanders. I tell you that much. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, you want to start there because I'll tell you what, they were so terrible last night. I texted my son right during the game. I told him three minutes in after they went down one nothing. First of all, that goal, that first Islander goal, was such a colossal screw up. I'd like to say something a lot more stronger, <laughs> but I'm, I'm not going to. Even though I think you've got us on that where we can, we, you know what or whatever. we can, Liam. Here's here's how we're going to do sticks and taps from here on out. Okay, we're taping, right? So if I need to put the sticker on it after the show, I will. But I don't All want right. you to feel that you have to restrict yourself here. Okay, <laughs> have a bit. We're at the pub here, man. Two guys talking yeah, well, it up. If I was in the pub, I would tell you yeah, that that was such a colossal fuck-up. There you go. Go I, on. <laughs> I, I, I absolutely – I wanted to just put my head right through the screen. And the last time I have felt this exasperated watching the Canadians was the year they traded P.K. Subban because he was so exasperating to watch when he played defense for Montreal. <laughs> Hey, he's doing it Man, again in Jersey now. Time. Well, you know, I mean, look, I mean, he's he's fashioned a career and, and he's going to have a, a brilliant uh, post career. He'll be as much or more successful once he retires. I love him. Than I love him, Liam. You know. What I'm trying to say is, is that he's just he's kind of fading out there in Jersey. It's unfortunate. Just anyway, oh, I don't want to. He's been fading. Yeah. And they're turning things around there. I mean, they're. They're, they have they have made some some some. It's just so hard to to make any inroads, but they 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 are better this year than they have been in the previous couple of years. And Killed some of that angels. young blood, uh, yeah, Brat and Hughes, and and I mean that they've got some hard. guys that are that are that are turning things around there. And he's, uh, um, you know, he he's 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 there and taking up a spot, and certainly and certainly still getting some ice time. But but you know when he went first went to Nashville. They they changed his game totally, but uh, I was so exasperated watching that game last night. But I'm settling in. I'm settling into an understanding. I'm getting it. I know they're going to fail this year, and I know it's basically a whitewash. And maybe I understand Carey's coming back to Montreal this weekend. That's fantastic news. Sounds like he took the 30 days, and that appears, at least what we're being told, that that's good enough. I know Joel Edmondson is mere days away from joining the lineup. Cedric Paquette's suspension is over. Drew will play next game. They'll win some games here down the road. They're already done. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I think they're not showing enough. Caulfield's gone down. We'll see how he does in a stint down there but uh, in Laval, the American Hockey League. But you look, they're coming off a, a somewhat decent game against Detroit. They lost to them all four games last year, but they've beat them now twice this year. They're coming off a decent game. Every time they win a game, they, they turn around, they, they get lit up for five or six goals. The effort, the malaise, the lack of, of puck support, the lack of continuity, the the absolutely head-scratching, mind-boggling, exasperating inability to do rudimentary plays on the ice is is it's sinking into me that the, the cup hangover and the massive changes in the roster from Injuries to mental illness to trades and and departures is just way too much for this group to overcome. Nor do I think they have 
probably the right coach there, even if there was going to be a, a, an opportunity or a chance for them to turn it around. I don't know that they have the right coach for that because I, I really think you need a John Tortorella. And I'm not using him as an example other than just his demeanor and character. I, I know he yeah. can't use him because he can't even say bonjour. Like if you don't, you don't speak French. You can't work in Montreal. So it's an unfortunate part he didn't of do the- too well on his last trip to Canada either. No, he was terrible in Vancouver, and I think I, I think his heart is always going to be coaching in the states. Anyways, he's he's just he's a, such a hardcore American guy through and through. But you need that type of guy, you know. You need the you need the guy who's going to start like I would last night in that first intermission. I would have taken probably ten or twelve sticks and smashed them on the wall as physically hard as I possibly could. In fact, right over players' heads so that the splinters were falling on their shoulders. And I, I, I would have said, swear to God, I'm going to sign a one-day contract. I'm going to go out and show you guys how to play one shift out there. Wake the hell up. But I now, I, I, I'm slow here, but I'm getting it. I see what's happening. I see the malaise. I see the inability. I see Jeff Petrie, who shouldn't be in the lineup. I told you last week, concerned about this guy's mental well-being. I don't mm-hmm. think his head's there. He's definitely not there physically. He's definitely, most definitely not there hockey-wise. So, anyway, that's enough about the Habs. Um, they are <laughs> Sorry going to you brought him up there, lad. <laughs> <laughs> but I do they're like to get you struggle. fired up, brother. <laughs> well, you know, I, I they're my team, right? And, uh, like, your Rangers are off to a great start. What a game. You must be looking forward to this tonight. Tell me you're watching this tonight. I mean, tell me, you're going in Edmonton. You got McDavid at 9.30 Eastern tonight. You're watching it. I'm watching it. It's going to be a beauty. The Rangers got all their wins on the road, for God's sake. Five of them, anyway. They're the hottest road team right now in the NHL, uh, next to Carolina, I think. So, so uh, well, uh, they, they... I, I think this game's going to be a beauty tonight, man. Yeah, well, the, the unfortunate thing that you could, look, it's great, but they better start helping Shesty out, man, because he's saving yeah. their asses. And, yeah, uh, he's played great. He's played great. He's out from the Lundqvist hangover now. That's quite apparent. But they've got some other things going on on that team. Uh, Lafreniere is at least 10% better. And and I knew he would be. He'll continue to get better. Obviously, you're getting some scoring. But uh, you're right. It's largely probably been him. I guess that's a fair statement. But uh, I don't know. I think I, I, Edmonton looks pretty solid right now for sure. Great start. Hottest team in the West, no doubt about it. We were going to talk about that a little later. It's really all about Carolina. I really want to talk about, to be honest, because they're on the verge too, of tying an NHL record. So, yeah. you know, but I mean, uh, moving on from the Habs, I think Rangers-Edmonton um, are the game tonight for sure. I think there's four or five games, but that's the game. That's that's the game for sure to uh, to, to be focused on. I know I'll be watching it. And then, uh, then you got Carolina-Florida tomorrow. And, I mean, the Hurricanes right now, Paulie, are, are one game shy of tying the NHL record for the longest winning streak to start a season, uh, which is the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs and the Buffalo Sabres have each done it ten times. Carolina's done it nine. So what I was going to say to you about that was, first of all, here's a team that swapped their goaltenders. Like, I, I was very critical of them. 
for letting uh, Nedjevic go, if I'm saying his name correctly, to Detroit, which basically I felt they let him go. All they had to do is offer him probably another mill, and he stays. Mm-hmm. But uh, you, you, you move him to Detroit. Reimer's out. Probably not tremendously surprised about that necessarily. But you get Freddie Beach there. Freddie Anderson comes in from Toronto. You rescue him, essentially, from the incessant, overwhelming, just absolute shit show that is Toronto. <laughs> and and you, you, you threw him the biggest and best life preserver that you could. And he's kicking out BBs for Carolina. But I want to say two other things. Two very, very subtle lineup changes. One that took a tremendous amount of flack when they signed your boy from New York, Tony D'Angelo. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, he got run out of Dodge on the rails from New York for his mm-hmm. idiocy on Twitter. So the guy happens to be a major Trump supporter. And all of the sheer lunacy that he was spewing on Twitter... To the extent that the Rangers waived him, nobody wanted him, they buy him out, he signs a one-year deal, Paulie, mm-hmm. a one-year deal for $1 million with Carolina. So here's the deal. Here's the thing. You take out Dougie Hamilton, who was their leading, one of the leading scorers last year, period, in defense. In fact, I think he may have led all D in scoring. You move him to New Jersey. He's played such a key role in, in Carolina's offense and, and regular shift. All the minutes he played is fantastic play. But you know what, Paulie? He's as soft as, as, as balsa wood, man. You go through this guy like a knife through butter. You're not going through Tony D'Angelo that way. Now, all of a sudden, this guy is one of the top plus minus leaders. He's leading... At or near the lead, scoring in defenseman, just like Dougie Hamilton. Only he plays such a different game. Paulie, you've got to remember, this guy played in the OHL here in Canada. He's mm-hmm. an American kid. Came up like many Americans do. Come up, play in our junior leagues. And, and just like we have Canadian kids that go NCAA, he chose to come up, play in the OHL, played in Sarnia. Paulie, he was, he was voted defenseman of the year in the entire country. Mm-hmm. Like... And he was drafted by Tampa. Like, he got moved, you know, because, look, the guy's headstrong and say what you want about off the ice. But holy lifting, the guy can hockey. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. The guy can the guy can play the sport. And the other subtle little move that they made this summer was they traded for Ethan Bear from the Edmonton Oilers. And he has been those two guys. When you look at Carolina losing in the playoffs the last number of years since – Zvechnikov and Aho and Neskis, Neskas, however you say his name. Uh, these guys got rolling offensively. What biggest failing has been their lack of physicality, their lack of ability to adapt to that game in the playoffs that the Boston Bruins and the Washington Capitals and these types of teams have been able to present in the best of seven, and they've been rolled over. And I don't think, frankly, to be honest, they've had the playoff goaltending either. No. And now I think they've addressed a lot of that. Yeah, Edmonton in the West, you know, Connor and Leon are putting on a show, man. I yeah. mean, I told you this a couple of weeks ago. 
And I meant it sincerely, and I have not stopped watching them. Every chance I get, I'm throwing an eyeball on the Oilers. What they're doing right now, they're both they're both on pace. Now I know we're a few more games along, but still incredibly early. And they probably won't get there, but they're both on pace for plus 170 points. Dreisaitl, you know, it's amazing. It's just incredible what, what, what they do. You know, I'm sure you know it. Everybody knows it. They get a penalty. <clears throat> they don't, they're not on the PK. But then Tippett throws them right out together, uh, you know, on, 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 the, on the next line, right, together. <laughs> it's just devastating yeah. when they go out there. Dreisaitl goes on the wing. I mean, he's a natural center, mm-hmm. but he, they play him on the wing. It's kind of like Mark Messier and Wayne Gretzky in 1983-84. Yeah. Started doing the same thing, right? I mean, Messier was a winger, put him on center. Anyway, at different times, they'd play him together on the same line, and holy lifting. I mean, we all remember how that went. Mm-hmm. So are we seeing Edmonton 2.0 here with two big stars, and now they got Hyman, and now Ryan Nugent Hopkins is having his best start. And now you got Tyson Berry who's really anchoring the D. Looks like he's coming in his own. I don't know if Mike Smith's going to be able to hold up through the season or even into the playoffs. That's probably their biggest question mark down the road. But Edmonton in the West and Carolina in the East are the stories. Uh, with all due respect to uh, a, a couple of other teams, Florida Panthers would definitely deserve honorable mention and, and certainly Calgary Flames and, 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 uh, and a couple of other teams. But... Um, Carolina, and you know, their general manager is Donnie Waddell, a guy I've met a couple of times. He was, his first NHL team he was ever involved with was the Red Wings, and I used to do some gigs for the Red Wing alumni back in the day, and I I met Donnie through a mutual friend, Jerry Fleury, whose father, the late Jerry Sr., uh, was actually president of the Red Wing alumni for a few years, and he was a goaltender in the minors. He was affiliated with the Red Wings. So he had a great relationship with Gordy Howe and Alex Del Vecchio and Ted Lindsay and all the boys. They made him present for a few years of the alumni. And, and he knew me and he brought me in. If you can imagine, they used to fly me into Ann Arbor, Michigan, into Detroit, pick me up. We'd go to Ann Arbor, Michigan, and I would speak at the Red Wing alumni um, events. And boy, what a Jack Lynch was there. Eddie Jackman, go down the line, Ted Lindsay, all the guys, and and uh, Del Vecchio, I met them all, and it was uh, incredible to see, and you you just you just see what's going on uh, with 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 that, and 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 I I just I just think that Donnie Waddell, I met Donnie Waddell there at that time, and that was his background, you know, it was coming out of Detroit, then he went to the Atlanta Thrashers, now he's been he's been with the um with the Hurricanes, and he was not a guy that I thought was really maybe going to be able to figure things out and get help as a general manager, get Caroline over the top. I'll tell you right now, they got a team that, that could make some real noise. It's still very, very yeah, I know, early. But look, look, it's, it's there. I get what you, and look, and you got to love Roddy behind the bench. Brendan Moore is too. I mean, it's uh fantastic coach. Fantastic. Love him as well. Um, It's there. Look, you, we all know the deal here as hockey fans. The regular season is just, you know, Let's see what happens here, and, and it all can change, obviously, when the spring comes, and you know teams yeah. like Edmonton with all this talent, and, and even Toronto, too, and so on and so forth, but uh, I, I like what the – I mean, it's it, you see it there, and getting back to Tony D, too, look, we loved him here in New York before all the off-ice stuff was going on, and I remember yeah. talking to you last year, too, about, you know, this was a guy who was putting up 50, 60 points. I know. Uh, he was a tough guy, like you said, too. He, had, he was a presence. Um, you know, he just gotten the, the, the two or three year deal here. He was going to be a big part of this, you know, with Foxy and everything. Who knows if it had to worked out now with the, all the contracts, the, the Rangers have recently signed, 
But you know what? He's Look, life is about second chances. He's getting one in Carolina. He's making the most of it. He's got 10 points here in nine games. He's a huge impact on that team. Um, so I get it. You're bringing him up and, and the moves. And it's like anything else. You know, take a baseball note out of it. Look what the Braves did at the trading deadline, too, with changing their outfield, and, and they win the World Series. You know, the, yeah. the, you, an NHL team here like the Canes make a couple of things, and, and the right guy running the running the board there up there in, in, in Carolina, too, Odell and stuff, and they, they, they get the right guys in. And like anything else, Liam, you got to stay healthy, and you got to be there yeah. at the end of the year. Or you could be oh, like yeah. Kucherov, no, no, who's no drinking question. down in Tampa, and he'll come back in the playoffs. <laughs> That's it, man. Because at the end of the day, everything's got to go through Tampa. And Kucherov has already taken his uh, – his. He's, he's just taking his midseason break a little early. That's right. And, you know, he's going to come back. He's going to be a beast. They're going to be a beast. They lost a tough one at Toronto last night. Uh, you know, I was slipping back and forth, obviously. I saw a lot of that game, especially it ended because it went to overtime. And it was a four-on-three. Nylander scored. And the Leafs are rolling a little bit there right now. They're getting some uh, some play out of the big guns. And they're starting to right the ship there. So we'll see. But uh, And the Bruins' big game last night. Look at it. I mean – yeah, Brock Nelson get the four goals, including empty netter against uh, the Habs. Mm-hmm. Patrice Bergeron scores his first four of the year as Boston hammers Detroit. And uh, J- uh, Jordan Everly gets a hat trick for the Kraken as they knock off San Jose. You cannot sleep on that team. You mm-hmm. take you take you take them lightly. They're gonna they're gonna absolutely take you down. They had a big win last night. And uh, but holy lifted, man. <laughs> Wait, we're about 35, 40 minutes in. We haven't talked about the Eichel trade. <laughs> I know. Well, I was going there next. Obviously, I, I, as we went to taping today, uh, Brady, your boy there, just got handed the uh, captaincy yeah. in, in Ottawa. You got to talk about that a little bit. That. So, hey, listen, that was an automatic, and uh, that's a great move. I, I'm not sure if they wanted to. They said they were going to maybe take some time. I'm not sure why they were taking any time. But this may be a move as much to inject some life into that team. Uh, Ottawa's, I believe, lost four in a row now, and they're really struggling on the back end. Uh, I think they 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 thought they maybe had some a solution there in net. Matt Murray has is got hurt. You know, he played, didn't play well. Then he played, played okay, got hurt. Kreider caught him. I know Chris Kreider so rarely hits goaltenders, and uh, caught him. He rarely uh, scores goals. Uh, scores goals. Two for us caught him, in important times. Caught him accidentally, <laughs> allegedly. And uh <laughs> not that very heavy, heavy <laughs> So they've been going they've been going with uh with this other kid there, the goose I call him. And and um, you know, he didn't have a great night last night either. But uh, Vegas are missing six guys and <laughs> just got absolutely run over by Toronto and they come in here and smoke the Sands five one with an empty netter, so so, uh, Naaman Brady, captain, uh, no-brainer, great call. I'm a huge fan. I love the contract. I love they got him locked up through his prime. He'll be 29 when this deal's done, so you're going to get his best years, whatever this team does in a couple of years, which it will continue to improve. you got Jake Sanderson coming. Uh, you got got uh, Lassie Thompson. you got uh, Bernard Docker. you got some D that are coming to help and uh, and shore it up, and it's just going to maybe continue to be growing pains. And I mean, right now, again, early, don't want to write anybody off other than maybe Arizona. But, uh, uh, you know, the others that are really suffering, like a Montreal, for example, and a Chicago, pretty much write-offs right now for all intent and purposes. Although nobody really calls any shots until American Thanksgiving. You know that old mm-hmm. adage. 
So we'll wait and see. But, I mean, none of them are going to be in a playoff spot by then. So I think that's safe to say. Nor will Ottawa, I, I don't believe. So uh, they'll um, they'll struggle. They're going to get their wins, though, this year. And they'll surprise teams, too, because that offense is definitely going in the right directions. And giving Brady the C is a huge move. He leads that team anyway. He's been leading them since he joined the team. He's a Chuck uh, through and through. Uh, I said this, I believe, with you before. And I'll say it again right now. Uh, I think he's twice the leader his brother is, or frankly, that his father was. Mm-hmm. I don't think he'll ever score like his old man, but, uh, you know, look, it. I'm just going to say it, man. I've never held back. I, I was never a fan of his dad. Mm-hmm. I think he just went wherever he'd get the higher paycheck. And I think there's a reason why he never played in a cup final, never won a cup, never played in a final, never won an award. I mean, he was he was an aggressive guy, but... He weren't. He wasn't taking on the heavies. I know he's a big, tough, strong man who could fight mm-hmm. and he could score. And look, he holds. He's part of one of the most unique distinctions in NHL history. There's only been four guys to score 50 goals and accumulate 200 penalty minutes in the same year, and he's one of them. Mm-hmm. Brendan Shanahan, Gary Roberts, and Kevin Stevens are the others. So I tip my hat to him for that. And I know he's a huge slap shot fan, and he's a big fan of Reggie Dunlop, and and uh, <laughs> so I applaud that in him. And his boys are tough, and they'll fight. And yep. uh, But I just think Brady is more of a leader than either Matthew or or Keith, his, his father or his brother. That's a huge uh, move. Tenth captain, I believe, in Ottawa history. I remember their first. I know him very well. Lori Boschman, he's a dear friend of mine. He's a president Lori of the Sense alumni right now. And uh, uh, he's a, just a fantastic man. He was their first ever captain. So he continues in that tradition. And uh, albeit all these years later, and uh, here we are. So good for Brady. And in terms of the Jack Eichel trade, you know what? I think 30 other, uh, 30 other fa- uh, teams' fans, fan bases are going, what? Yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> That's it? You know, we could have <laughs> got Eichel for what? for what? I mean, even the pick that they give up, the first-round pick, it's lottery protected. Yeah. So if by chance... And look, Vegas are no locks here, man. I mean, they got six guys out. They are going to be in. They've got to get things going. I mean, I know Pacioretty and Stone and Carlson, and these guys are going to get back in the lineup, and and they'll probably get things turned around, maybe. But just like I'm not really sold in any way, shape, or form on Mike Smith for Edmonton, there's no way in hell Robin Leonard is taking anybody to the promised land. Like, yeah, I, I think he can put up good numbers and play decent hockey. Has can Mike Smith. Uh, but that's my feeling. Uh, you know, I mean, like I said, I, I, I didn't think Donnie Waddell would ever. Uh, we'll see what happens to Carolina at the end of the year. And like I told you last show or the show before, when Pittsburgh signed Jim Rutherford as the general manager, I went, come on. <laughs> come on. You kidding me? He should be out playing lawn bowling. And uh, it's, instead... He promptly leads them to back-to-back Stanley Cups. How is she going? Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's it's all well and good to watch the game, have an opinion, and, and think you have sort of a sense of how things are going. But um, I don't know, man. Mike Smith and Robin Leonard, I don't think, are two goaltenders who can take their teams respectively to the promised land. No, but obvious. picking up Michael, now Vegas have given him the green light, Polly, to get the surgery that he wants to have. Right, This was a final nail in the coffin with his relationship with Buffalo, which needed to come to an end anyway. So now he's going to go and get, I believe next week, it's already scheduled, if I'm not mistaken, 
The thing is, as we all know, this surgery has never been performed on a professional athlete. Mm -hmm. This neck disc fusion thing, whatever the hell they're going to do. And then Michael's saying three months, and then, uh, you know, uh, they're saying in Vegas, uh, their, their managerial staff are saying, oh, it could be, could be four months. We don't know. Nobody knows. This is a precedent setting. But they, you, you trade. Maybe uh, that reflects you know, the trade, Liam. Maybe, maybe that reflects the, the value of the trade that, you know, Buffalo ends up doing it because there's still all this unknown. It's like, yeah, great. You got Eichel, Vegas. That's great. But you're not going to see him for maybe four to five months. Maybe right. if everything has to go well. So if, if this kid, unfortunately, the talent that he is, and, you know, it's unfortunate for uh, the Buffalo franchise, you didn't get to see this kid kind of, you know, take off here and, and, and show what his value is and what his worth is. And now, like I said, it's, it's still up in the air. You, we don't know. And maybe that's why that's all Buffalo could get for him. And that's why maybe a lot of other teams, too, kind of turn that away. Because let's say, you know, all the talk, whether it's Calgary or the Rangers, uh, you know, great, you know, young prospects and maybe a star player that are healthy guys that are going to go help on a team immediately. I mean, yeah. and, and you don't know, you're not going to see Eichel for four to five months and you don't know. And then there's the conditioning and then there's getting into gameplay and then there's the contact. This isn't like a, a ligament in the knee here. This is major no. upper body contact here. You know, the speed of the game, the physicality of the game. I mean, just the Western Conference alone and where the Knights will be playing and everything else, this is a lot of up in the air here for Vegas as far as I'm concerned. So, yes, yeah, really, is this the trade? But I think maybe when you look at it from a big picture, this is probably the right trade as far. And I think Buffalo down the road, as far as Tuck and Krebs are concerned, those kids are going to fit into this uh, young lineup down the road for them. You, you, you know what? Um, I got to tell you, I, I, li- I like it. I, I, I applaud uh the uh, the Golden Knights, uh, uh, Vegas. I applaud them. Um, I think that given that they kept the first round lottery protected, number one. Now you look at it the other way. Kevin Adams in Buffalo didn't retain any salary. He was adamant he wasn't going to, but it's not going to be a factor till Eichel's ready to go. So Vegas will <clears throat> cross that bridge when they come to it. But no, they give up. I mean, Krebs is is the potential guy, first round. Tuck's the guy who's actually made some noise. Who you actually picked up in a trade from Minnesota, uh, I believe it was, if I'm not mistaken. I think it was part. Yeah, it was from. I think he came from Minnesota. It was all part of that, part of that, um, uh, that whole thing when Vegas absolutely skewered about six teams, seven teams in the NHL when they built that franchise. And Tuck played great for them when they went to the Stanley Cup final that first year. And, uh, and he's first round, former first round selection as well. So that's a real tangible guy. He gave up a prospect, albeit somebody who I think, as you just correctly said, I think has a lot of potential in Krebs. And, and, uh, and the first round pick, if it's not this year, it'll be next. And they exchange third round picks. And you're getting one of the top centermen if, if, if he, he comes back and joins a team. Imagine if they're in a playoff spot. And maybe this is a guy. I mean, they've never been less than a quarter uh, semifinalist in four years. Yeah, it's insane. Vegas. So, uh, I mean, they go to the final and then three years in a row, and they got absolutely screwed in the five-minute major uh, against San Jose. Uh, Cody Eakin oh, on the yeah. Pavelski non-hit, which we all yeah, know led to the rule game. change. Yeah. So, you know, otherwise otherwise they had that game, and, and, they, and they move on from that. So, uh, so here we are. 
And uh, and I, I like the deal. And I, I just have a sense that I I have no medical background to make this statement. But I just believe that Eichel will be back. And I think he's going to play again. And I think he's an exceptional player. Now, look at He'll have to come back, and and I think he I think he did I think he, there was a lot of uh, too much smoke where there's smoke there's fire about how he comported himself, whether it be in the room, out of the room, on off the ice and whatnot, all the stuff that went on there allegedly, how he was trying to allegedly trying to dictate different things within the hockey ops, if you will, and there's enough commentary out there about that where I, I think there's some semblance of truth to it and I don't know that he was necessarily the best team guy in his time in Buffalo but here he is now I mean you couldn't ship him further away and uh and and he's going to uh to a team boy he hasn't been in the playoffs in six years how much is he licking his lips to maybe have a chance here to go with a team that's been no less than the semis for four straight since they come in the league so imagine him on a line with Stone and Patch already how about that look if it works out um Look, and he stays healthy. Uh, it's, it's it's a you know it's a superstar in a super city. It's going to be great, and yeah, that's the unknown. I agree. You know, so I, I like the trade too. I think it uh, works out for both sides very well, and we wish him well, man. I mean, Jack Eichel, you want to see you know as fans, we want to see this guy play. You know, for sure, man. Hey, listen, the guy's a true superstar. You know, he's played three hundred and seventy-five games in the NHL. He's got three hundred and fifty-five points. That would be like a triple gold star club in any other year, except he got drafted behind McDavid, you know, who's dwarfing him. And and now with the injury and everything else and the fact that, you know, it's not like Connor and Edmonton has done a lot in the playoffs either, right? It's just at least they've got there a couple times. And unfortunately, you know, Buffalo hasn't. And, and their very, very quick start to the season has now been replaced by a few losses, including last night. And, and they're starting to come back a little bit here so we'll see there's they still are I think a better team than they were last year as we talked about earlier with New Jersey and a number of other teams Los Angeles Detroit despite their loss last night these teams even Ottawa these teams have all made marginal if not somewhat decent I wouldn't say significant but decent improvements that you can certainly see if you watch the games and see the lineups see the personnel and see what's going on. But we'll see where everything settles here <laughs> over the next 20, 30 games as we get into the, the gut of the season and see, because uh, I think a lot of the old dogs are going to find their way up and near the top. The Bruins look like beasts right now, and Bergeron just scored his first goals last night. You know, but he's been playing well, but he just got his first goals. Okay, so he scored four. <laughs> but, you know, they were his first goals of the season. But I mean, he'll be on. He'll be him and Marshawn are going to be on Team Canada. Now, hopefully, with Crosby, if he can either stay healthy and you know from injury and sickness, yep. he'll probably they'll put that line back together. If we go in February here, they'll be together. So, but anyway, brother, it's uh, never a dull moment, eh? No, not at all. No doubt about it, Mace. All things. T- all good things come, come to those who wait, and Vegas is going to have to wait, without a doubt. Yeah. All right, look, let's uh, transition into uh, this day in hockey. Yes, sir. Give us something good, Liam, as you always do. Oh, I tell you, I got a beauty for you. All right, boys, turn the fiddle down there a little bit. Liam's got something I to say. I love that, though. <laughs> love that music. Love that music. Love the fiddle going in the background, too. That's great. <laughs> tell you, on this day in hockey, Polly, then it's also 
speaking about things that prompted a rule change, let me take you back in time, Polly. Saturday night, Montreal, November 5th, today's date, 1955. Montreal Canadiens are hosting the Boston Bruins. The Canadiens are down 2 nothing as the first period is coming to a close. Goal scored by Leo Boyvin, who just passed away actually last uh, week or about 10 days ago or so. God rest his soul. Uh, acquaintance of mine. And uh, Diesel Doug Moans. The Those days, when you got a penalty, you had to serve the full two minutes. So, on Saturday night, November 5th, 1955, in Montreal at the Forum, at the end of the first period, at the 1950 mark, Cal Gardner gets a penalty for charging. The Canadians go on the power play. There's only 10 seconds left in the period. Period ends. Intermission. They start the second. 17 seconds into the second period, another Bruin, Hal Laco, takes a penalty for tripping. The Bruins are now two men short. In the next 44 seconds, the Montreal Canadiens, in fact, the same player, Jean Beliveau, scored three goals. It's the second fastest three goals in NHL history. All three were scored on the power play. Bert Olmsted assisted all three, making him the player with the second fastest three assists. Both of these marks to Bill Mosienko in Chicago. And um, and the Canadians go on to win the game 4-2 to two, with Bellevue scoring a fourth goal <laughs> in, the, in the third period. So just like Patrice Bergeron last night and Brock Nelson, in 1955, Bellevue got four goals, three on the power play. The wow. NHL were so, I wouldn't use the term infuriated, but collectively, the other five teams led largely by the Boston Bruins, said, enough, <laughs> enough of this Montreal Canadian power play. They put out Rocket Richard on right wing, Jean Beliveau at center, Dickie Moore on left wing, Boom Boom Jeffrion and Doug Harvey on the points, and they are winning team, winning games on one power play. So at the conclusion of that season, they changed the rule thereby allowing the penalized player to come out of the penalty box when a power play goal is scored. Wow. And that was largely prompted by what happened on this day in hockey, 1955. Amazing. Amazing. Huge impact. <laughs> Unbelievable, man. What a trip. And then, you know, you have those two games last night. To, yeah. You know, that's nuts, man. Only you, yeah. buddy. Only you. You get this <laughs> stuff you, man, lined up for you. Around. It's just, <laughs> there's a reason why I know that stuff, Polly, and there's a reason why I never miss last call. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, McGuire, for God's sake, would you go home already? <laughs> <laughs> Time, gentlemen, please. Oh, Don't man. you have homes? What's that expression? Don't you have homes to go to? Yeah, have you no home to go to? Yeah. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay you here. You can't stay here. Are you right there, folks? Please. All right. So why don't we do this now? Um, let's do our Irish thing today. And I'm going to lead yeah. in with this song here, Whiskey or the Devil here, by the Clancy Brothers. And you're going you're gonna to tell us why we're playing this song here. Yes. Give us a story. We'll let us play for a couple of seconds here. Called Whiskey, You're the Devil. 
so good. Why Liam's favorite, the Clancy Brothers. So, listen, for if you're new to Sticks and Taps, Holly and I, at the conclusion, as our show winds down, are, have a, a connection in some way, shape, or form to our beloved Ireland. He has history there with family, as do I. And in this case here, our Irish connection today is through Francis Michael King Clancy. Ottawa born and raised, but Irish by ancestry. So much so that he is the only man, the only player in NHL history to wear a different colored uniform than his teammates in a regular season game, which happened on St. Patrick's Day, March the 17th in 1934, when then, as a member of the Toronto Maple Leafs, they dressed him all in green to salute his Irish heritage in a game against your New York Rangers, Paulie, no less. Very nice. And in that contest, with Irish music and around Maple Leaf Gardens and all sorts of instruments and all sorts of music in the background, King Clancy went out and played that entire first period in that uniform. And at the conclusion of the first period, Lester Patrick, the coach and general manager of the Rangers, went to King, went to Conn Smythe and said, please, for the love of God, <laughs> he looks like a leprechaun out there <laughs> and our players are so distracted. And, and King, please, for the sanity of the game, <laughs> would you please put on your regular uniform? And he relented and he did. But for that first period, March 17, 1934, he wore the all-green uniform and... You know what, Paulie? In 1983, I had the pleasure of meeting King Clancy, and I interviewed him at Maple Leaf Gardens. It was the same month I interviewed Harold Ballard and the late Foster, late Harold Ballard and the late Foster Hewitt. They've all, of course, passed away. And when I met King and talked to him, I said, "We actually have an interesting connection." And he said, "What's that?" And I said, "Well, your great nephews, Michael and Jimmy. I went to elementary school with them." And he said, "Come on." I said, "No, sir, I did." I said, "In fact, I'll go you one better." I fought your great nephew, Michael, <laughs> uh, on Monday, May 1st, 1967, when Toronto won the last their last Stanley Cup that night. And he looked at me all wide-eyed, and he said, I hope he kicked a bejesus <laughs> out of you, he said. And I went, uh, uh, sorry about that, Mr. Clancy, not so much. <laughs> so I interviewed him, Polly, and as we were talking and then we, we, we talked about the 1920s and 1930s and his, his coaching in the NHL and briefly with Toronto and in the American Hockey League, he won a Calder Cup of Pittsburgh, which was a farm team of the Leafs with the Pittsburgh Hornets in the early 50s. And, and, and we started at the end before we left and I put the camera down where my camera guy did, Rob Ritchie, and uh, uh, we talked about Ireland and we talked about Irish music and he told me his favorite song ever was Whiskey in the Jar. And uh, so I figured that today, my friend, would be our Irish connection for Sticks and Taps. Oh, that's fantastic. King Clancy, March 17, 1934. My fight with his great nephew, Michael. <laughs> you can't make that up, 1967. Man. And my interview with him in 1983. How do you beat that, brother? How do you beat that? You don't. You just turn the tune up a bit louder. Woohoo! And open up that bottle. You're me darling, drunk or sober. 
What a line, baby. Fantastic. <laughs> I'll tell you, anybody listening, if you've made it this far and you are even got a, just the a, a smallest inclination to go online and, and Google the lyrics of the song, they're spectacular. <laughs> it is. It's fantastic. There's uh, Over Hills and Mountains and Two America. We got to find That's out. right, my That's friend. Something yeah. Else. But the yeah. Exp- the way it's spelt, you know. Yeah. Uh, good stuff, man. Exactly. That yeah. is uh That's too much. And yeah, the, you, didn't you uh you were telling me pre-show you 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 met the boys later or something and you got to the same spot or something? Who, the Clancy's? No, the the yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I went to see them. I went to see them in Toronto. I had to I had to take a a, a bus, a subway and a streetcar. <laughs> To get there. And when you bought your ticket, they gave you a beer ticket for the bar across the road. I went over and managed to turn that one ticket into about five by doing a little hockey trivia in the bar. And then I went in over to the theater and saw the Clancy's. And and uh, I waited backstage. I was one of, I don't know, several dozen in line. I waited patiently. They came out, signed autographs, talked to everybody. I introduced myself to them when I got my chance. And I, I had a great chat with them. I told them how many times I've been to Ireland. I told them about my dad and everything else. And they said, well, we're, we're going across the road for a nightcap. Why don't you join us? And I said, oh, maybe a small one. <laughs> <laughs> Just maybe a small one. Unbelievable. What a night. No, I really don't remember getting home. But uh, <laughs> I know I had to reverse my steps. And I know it was close to because uh, public transit in Toronto shuts down at a certain point in time. eh? So. Oh, man. I think I have to walk a bit of it, but um, my toast today, Polly. Now, hold okay on. To do- hold on. I know you're gonna, we got a, a special toast. I'm going to play a song. I know we always do Whiskey in the Jar, and we'll do that maybe towards the end here a little bit, but I know um, you've had a recent loss there, uh, made yeah. yours. So while you, while you talk about him here and, raise our, and we raise our glasses, I want to put a little Danny Boy in the back there for you, okay? Okay. Very nice. Very nice. Yes. Well, his name was Gary Soleil, and uh, he was he was born and raised in England, and he's former British Army. And you would think those things unto themselves would mean maybe that him and I never would have hooked up much beyond sort of a cursory thing. But it was anything but that. Uh, his background, he was a regular at the bar restaurant that bears my name here in Ottawa, Liam mm-hmm. McGuire's. I'm so, so proud of, of the fact we have that. Leo Dion is our owner, and my relationship with that place. And he was a regular in there from almost day one, Polly, and we've been open almost 19 years. And I hooked up with him and, uh, and a number of other of our fine regulars, obviously. But he was such an integral part of that place, and we became so close. And with his background, he could have easily chosen either to ignore that place or certainly ignore me uh, or, or, or slough me off. But he never did. And we talked about that many, many times. But my background through my father uh, and his, his ancestry and history and whatnot through, the, through Irish fighting, freedom, IRA, IRB and whatnot. And mm-hmm. Gary, Gary did, did two tours in Northern Ireland, you know, as part, part of the British Army. He was uh, special services that landed during the Falklands conflict in 1982. He jumped out of a plane and was in that 10-week battle, that wow. undeclared war in 1982. This was a man's man. I wrote about him on social media. If you're inclined, you can find it. If you follow me at all, I, I wrote a story Beautiful. about him that I, I, I think so too. I, I think, I, I hope I 
I feel I did him justice, and and he's my toast today. We lost him recently. It was a very, very quick, quick battle with cancer. He was 58 years old, far too young, uh, beautiful man, married, had a boy, same age as my son, 25 years old. His name is Ty. Just condolences to his wife and child and his co-workers and friends. And all of us at Liam's are going to miss him tremendously. And I'll tell you this, Paulie, I'll close to tell you this. We're actually doing, we're putting a little plaque. You see this in a lot of restaurants, pubs, and bars yeah. with regulars. We're going to have one in the seat that he always sat in at our high-end, high-top bar, little bar area there. When you walk in, there's an area. And uh, him and the regulars, they that was their table. And there's going to be a little plaque there put. We're having a, a celebration of life for him at the end of the month on the 26th. It's going to be absolutely spectacular. We'll send him out as much as he wouldn't want me to say this. We'll send him out Irish. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? Uh, he's a prince of a man. And uh, we had a very unique relationship and friendship. And I'll cherish it forever, for sure. So he's uh, poured myself a good shot here. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to salute him as I do it. Well said. Cheers. Here's to him Cheers, and his boy. family. Turn this up here a little bit. I did Jameson's because that's what him and I always drank on St. Patrick's Day. He would come in and just slag the hell out of me for my <laughs> Irish ancestry and cut down the Irish for all their stereotypes. He never meant a single syllable of it. He just was having fun, you know? He just was taking the piss out of me, having fun. We'd laugh forever and... Um, I posted some pictures online, you know, him and I, they, those were all taken on St. Patrick, various St. Patrick's days over the years. And, and, uh, he, he's going to be missed, man. He's, he is, he is going to be missed. It's funny. Not one of my guys that, you know, I played hockey with or grew up with Paulie, not a guy that I went to battle with on or off the ice, but I'll tell you what, if you had something going on off the ice, he wouldn't be a bad guy to come walking around the corner. You know what I mean? Yeah, no. Good stuff, so, man. Yeah. Well said, brother. Well said. Great toast. Great stuff. And we'll also uh, extend that toast to uh, the servicemen and women who've served Canada and the United States and all the Allied Forces as uh, we'll be back here after Remembrance Day and Veterans Day here next week. Brilliant stuff, man. Great stuff. And uh, here we go, man. Another Sticks and Taps is in the books, mate. Yes, sir. Love it. We got a bit of everything. Who knows what magic numbers will twist and turn here before next week's show for Liam to show off his history, talents that he has here. Great stuff. Liam, you're the best. Everybody out there, thanks so much for listening. Follow us everywhere at Sticks and Taps. And you can also get me and Liam's personal Twitter accounts there too where we always have a bit of a laugh in the Twitterverse. And with that said, Liam, go on now. Close the bar and say goodbye to the Well, we're not closing the bar. We're just... We're moving on to the next the one. Staying open. <laughs> but ladies and gentlemen, you can't stay here. Thanks very much for listening. We appreciate it. We'll catch you next week. G'day. Oh.